Storm Bowling Products, the Bowler's Company presents the Storm Collegiate Spotlight with Steve Klimkin and Tim Berg. Storm's Executive Director of Marketing and Above180.com's Tim Berg are going to introduce a variety of collegiate players, coaches, and key people involved in promoting the sport of bowling. Now, here's Coach K and Tim Berg. Joining us on the Storm Collegiate Spotlight Podcast is Hank Boomershine. Hank is the Vice President of North American Sales Research and Development for Storm. Hank also bowled collegiately at West Texas A&M. So, Hank, it's Tim Berg and Coach K. Steve Klemkin here. Thanks for joining us today. Pleasure to be on the show. Yeah, I thought we'd begin with a little bit of a, a very general question for everyone. As everyone starts to get back into bowling after a little bit of a hiatus as states begin to slowly reopen their bowling centers and it's different phases for everyone and and what have you but what are some things with you being a, a gold certified coach what are some things that players really any age should keep in mind when they get back out there on the lanes after what in some cases has been you know a two-month hiatus I mean first and foremost I mean we had a bowl for a while so I mean check that equipment check that fit check that you know, check those fingers, check those thumbs. I mean, a lot of times you're going to probably shrink a little bit. And, and the biggest thing is, is checking your equipment and, and taking the precautions of making sure that shoes are good, everything's okay. And uh, when we get back in that bowling center, uh, it's a good time to maybe get in a pro shop and have them maybe change change a set of grips for you, maybe to clean up the freshness surface on a bowling ball or something like that. And then the other thing to think about, too, is, I mean, you're getting back into a bowling center, there's going to be a lot of regulations and probably some social distancing and some parameters as far as contact points and things around the bowling center. So really being aware of the environment that you're traveling in and out of and uh, being respectful of both, you know, the people that are there and people that are coming in behind you or people that have been ahead of you. So, and, and some of this uh, sanitation and things that they're going to do to clean the approaches and everything else might make them a little bit different. They might be a little bit different. So once again, check the environment, uh, but yeah, really get the equipment ready and, and take it slow and easy. I mean, any any sport that that we participate in, those those uh, we build those muscles and we get those things nice and strong over time because of repetitive motion. But then all of a sudden we don't have the opportunity to participate. Uh, we might be a little bit uh, weak in some spots, so don't over push yourself in those in those first practice sessions. Kind of give yourself some time to grow back into it. Yeah, one of the things Tim and I were actually talking about, too, which is, uh, you know, there's a lot of people that they're going to be heading back on the lanes. Do you think there's a uh, – I think some people are going to maybe, I don't know, kind of roll into it a little bit easier. Is there any chance you think of people can – you, can you forget a bad habit over time? Can you actually come back and, and maybe have a little bit better, more natural, maybe either timing or swing or body positions you did, or will it be a matter of everybody's kind of dropping down to a lower skill level and then – going to take some time to work back up no see you you and i both know that sometimes the absence is a good thing in, in terms of a sport and that we can uh we've had the tendency maybe to ingrain a habit that we're trying to get rid of and then in a time or a time off we can come back to something and we don't have that habit as much uh and so yeah no you could actually have uh you could actually have a maybe a little bit better more free swing and maybe a little less uh grip and a little less you know, over grab of it, maybe the swing's a little looser, the legs are a little freer, we just kind of get moving a little bit better. I will tell you a funny side story is that my buddy Donnie Hogue holds a pro shop there in Ohio, and a former collegiate player at West Texas, and uh, he hadn't played golf in about a year, he went out 
uh, last week and hadn't played, like literally had not hit a shot in a year, shot 77. So, and he's like, no, I didn't have Ooh, any of my bad habits. Nice. Cause he has a tendency to overswing and everything like that. So it can happen. I mean, yeah, you're Steve, you make a good point. You mentioned Don Hogue. I don't think a lot of people know uh, the story about Don Hogan college experience and what happened a little bit with West Texas uh, back in the, in the mid nineties there. Why don't you walk through a little bit about that story with the program and, and what happened with Donnie there. And, and uh, I think it's a, re- a really a fascinating uh, story and, and an interesting one. Sure. Yeah. Don Hogan and I became really close friends right away. Uh, when he came to college, I was just actually exiting out of my college only career and he was coming in and uh, he was on the West Texas team. And Steve, as you know, living in West Texas and the travels to tournaments, uh, they're great distances, just like Kansas. We didn't have the luxury of flying, so we drove a lot of van trips and long, long distances. And uh, I was, it was, I was helping out with the team a little bit, but I didn't travel with the team to the event. They went up to Kansas City. They were going to bowl, and uh, they got about four hours, about three and a half hours out of uh, Amarillo, Texas, heading across Interstate 40, Oklahoma City, and the driver of the van, the West Texas van, dozed off. And the left front tire went into the, dropped off the left side of the highway. She startled and jerked the wheel to the right. And what she did, it spun sideways and the van rolled eight times. And Don Hogue was ejected from the side window of the van and landed on a concrete um, storm drain and broke his back in eight spots. So it was a miracle that he didn't have any paralysis, uh, and uh, that they were able to kind of reconstruct him a little bit. But they did take him about, uh, I think it was about 18 months before he really bowled again. And he did still bowl in college even after the accident, but it was, like I said, he always said that he had a little gimp to his step. And, uh, and, uh, but he's still a great bowler. It's one of those uh, feel-good stories that the guy did come back from. I mean, you had uh, Karen Stroud. Uh, she was in that crash as well, too. She actually she had a piece of glass go straight through her leg and she had to rehab for a while and there was a couple others that were injured pretty good but uh, yeah Don took the, the brunt of that injury and it just goes to show you these kids are traveling around the country I think there was a, a bus crash a couple of years ago from one of the well, Missouri schools or Illinois schools I was trying to remember but uh, yeah it just he's it's a, it's a good story it's a feel-good story that at one point he didn't know if he was ever going to walk again to I mean he's he's walking running uh, he's got two rods in his back, 18 inches long, and, and uh, he's still humming away. So, Hank, you mentioned your time bowling there collegiately. As we've gone through the years and now your time with Storm, what can was there a point or have, when did you say, wow, college bowling has just mushroomed into what it is, what we see now, and, and teams continuing to grow, and, and it's such a huge, you know, on the, on the main stage on TV – was there a point where you recall where you, you really figured, wow, this, this college bowling, it really has, it's here. It's, it's here to stay. It's not going anywhere. And it's, it's a real mainstay in bowling these days. I would say probably about, I think it was about 15 years ago when we started to hear about these kids getting scholarships and, you know, majority of mean the female scholarships, but there was a lot of things that were happening on the men's side too. And then when the NCAA and then we had the team sports side of it, and then the NAIA, and then I was like, we're getting more and more influx of the schools that are participating and in, in, in fielding these teams, and uh, yeah, 
I, I remember, you know, years ago and, and trying to help make those decisions to pick four or five or six, seven schools. And, and now we have, you know, dozens and dozens of schools between the two, between our two brands. And, uh, it's just become such a, uh, a launch pad for many athletes. I mean, look at a lot of great players out on PBA tour our, our college prospects. Uh, you know, you, we got the hall of famer with us right now, Steve, you know, college, uh, out of uh, Wichita State, and I came out of West Texas, and there's a lot of, those were the big powerhouse schools, and now there's a lot of different powerhouse schools. Uh, Wichita State's still a powerhouse, and West Texas is still a known name, but you know, the Robert Morris's of the world and, and these other schools that kind of like weren't really on the map or anything um, 20, 30 years ago, all of a sudden they're the, they're the, you know, the Weber International, they're the forefront in uh, college bowling. Well, you, you had some big names there at uh, West Texas as well, right? I mean, you had Jack Jurek and uh, Mark McDowell, yeah. I think, were two of the – just to name a few. I mean, those were, I mean, some players that yeah. went on to, you know, just have some fabulous careers. Yeah, I mean, you had uh, Jack Jurek and you had uh, Mark McDowell and you had uh, Mike Scroggins, and, you know, Wes Malott. Uh, you got Carolyn, Thorne Ballard, and, and there's just been, you know, a lot of great players come out of West Texas. And your, as far as coaching-wise goes now, too, uh, why don't you just tell us just a little bit about I think you've maintained uh, some good contact and, and relationships with uh, with Mark over the years. Oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, uh, it's one of those that I still stay in pretty good contact with a lot of the, the, the alumni and Mark being one of them and a few others uh, from West Texas. And uh, we stay, they've been one of our schools here you know, in the Storm family and uh, – they're very good uh, for that part of the country because, you know, that bowling, I think there's only one or two centers that are still humping in that Amarillo area. And it's that team is hugely supported in the local community. And, and uh, we've really stayed kind of still kind of in the forefront. I don't think they feel the women's team right now, but I, I know that uh, uh, there's a lot going on. And I, I know that trying to get recruits because now there's a lot of competition to get players uh, by a lot of different schools around the country. So, it's tough to get a girl team to go to West Texas when you got a full ride scholarship that might be in, you know, Maryland or Tennessee or Illinois or something like that. So, yeah. And Hank, there's a lot of videos with you out there where you talk a lot of tech talk. You you can get down. You're very nuts and bolts. Can get into all of that uh, side of bowling when it comes to collegiate bowling. And would you recommend that these players and even high school players that they really understand? that sort of the game and that for for the ball motion and, and shape they're seeing down the lane to help them become a better bowler and then how do you progress through that stage if you if you're a, a novice at that to understanding it and and then just progressing your way to understanding more and more about that to where you are learning more and understanding more why a ball does what i, I, I think the biggest thing is, is first and foremost is to understand some real basic principles around bowling ball technology does help a tremendous amount to any player. And, you know, for the cover stock, uh, tire touches the road, it's most, in, it's most important right off the bat to understand that the differences between that 1,500-grit polish all the way to that 360-grit Avalon and how they can affect where that ball hooks in the lane and using it because a lot of times a, a, a novice player might have one or two, maybe three, four bowling balls at the most. And yet they're trying to compete. So a lot of times you can take that the ball that they have and you can increase its ability to be put into an arsenal by adjusting the surface. 
and getting it to fit in some spots where maybe you might need enough more technology. And once, once you understand those surfaces and then you go into the dynamics of the bowling balls, I mean, simple principles of understanding is, is the ball center heavy, which is going to roll a little quicker. Is it more cover heavy, which wants to go a little farther? So low RG versus high RG and understanding where they want to hook front to back. And then the differentials in the bowling ball kind of tell us how much flare potential those have. And so now, a lot of times if we understand I want balls to hook early and, and on heavier volumes, I need balls to pick up a little faster. And then layouts are really dictated about the player. So once the player understands about the covers on the bowling balls and the cores in the bowling balls, then they really need to understand themselves as well too and what their limitations are. You have a player that might have high ball speed and not a lot of rim rate. So he's, he's got to watch his layouts and his layouts have to be stronger. But you might be opposite where a player super high rep player, but is a lower speed player, those two aren't going to use the same equipment. They're not going to use the same layout. So understanding a sweet spot in a player's layout too. So the specs that a player has, their speed, their rev rate, tilt, and rotation, those have been talked about a lot. Probably you guys have talked about it a lot over the, over the years. But understanding, I always say that if you can understand who you are as a bowler, it's like understanding like your address, your social security number, your blood type, you know those things. So as a bowler, you should know your speed, your rev rate, and your tilt. And then once you know those things, then you can understand which equipment's going to work best for me as a player. And as you get better and better, you can understand the subtle nuances of, is this layout going to be a little beneficial at this time, or should I have a different layout, maybe in the same ball? So I think it's building the core around who you are and understanding what the balls do. And then after that, we can understand what the layouts and dialing layouts in for the player based on what they do and what conditions they bowl on. Hey, what do you, what do you think, Hank, is the biggest difference between the collegiate players uh, back when you and I were, were bowling in college versus today? What have you seen? You've worked with a lot of the, the younger players from today and uh, over, the, over the years since when we were in college. What, did, what, did, what do you think is the biggest difference? Now, this might come off a little crap and maybe a little bad, but I'm going to be very honest. Cause we were players that we had coaches that – that helped us. And, and I had a coach that was a statistician and not necessarily as much a physical coach. So we learned to do a lot of things and we learned to make adjustments and we learned to do different things with our hand and, and get balls to make, get balls to strike, get balls to do, because we didn't have as much arsenals as they do now. We didn't have as much equipment choices as they do now, but also we didn't have a coach behind us on every shot that the minute it went high, Oh, you need to make a two and one left. I, unfortunately the kids of today, they're, they're being guided on how to bowl and sometimes not being taught how to bowl and how to understand the cause and effect relationship of what's going on out there in their environment. Like the biggest, I think I, I see it a lot in a lot of good players that they come, even, even when I've been out there on tour and these guys are fresh out of college, they walk back and go, well, what do I need to do? Okay. Well, here's what you, here's what happened. Here's what you, here's what happened here. Here's what could, you could make adjustments to do. I don't think there's enough of that going on. I think it's a lot of their machines and they're just kind of sometimes being kind of maneuvered by the coaches and not necessarily understanding exactly what's going on. I think it happens more than we would probably would like it to. And maybe I'm being a little bit of a uh, negative about it, but I think these, these coaches need to teach more about these, the players about what's going on out there and learn from it. And if I'm not there and you have to do it on your own, you have to understand if you see your ball do something, you have to be able to make the adjustments for it. I think our difference between that generation and our generation, Steve, is, I mean, you had Gordon Vatican, a phenomenal coach, one of the greatest, and 
but he's he's still a guy that you he wanted you to learn and you had to understand what was going on. And 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 uh, Coach Love all with us was always really about here's what's going on, here's our potentials. So coaches of today are I watch them and I watch them on those telecasts and I feel sorry for more for the women than I do for the men. They kind of just get guided and hey, just move to mm-hmm. left and just throw it in the same spot, but nobody's really telling them why. And that's one of the things I'd like to see a change. And Hank, my final question for you is one thing that you guys had out there too, I'm, I'm guessing was you guys, urethane, urethane has made a comeback. I'd love to get your perspective on urethane and where it fits in college. It's, it's seemingly every, every tournament you see, people have it. You know, they have it. It's in their arsenal. They're using it. But just the uh, where urethane fits in the college game and, and in everyone's game, I guess, for that matter. The biggest thing, yeah, urethane, it, it was – we were well adverse in it uh, in, our, in my generation. And, you know, I didn't have a yeah, – I think my first – six or seven, eight hundreds were with plastic or urethane. <laughs> and then, um, but the urethane is, because of the college tournaments, a lot of times they run a, very, a variety of patterns. And many patterns are short and flatter patterns. And we know the urethane picks the lane, picks up very quickly in the lanes. And, and it gets going forward uh, more rapidly on the back lane. So it doesn't want to overshape down the lane because we don't use too much differential a lot of times in urethane balls. Because... Cover wants to pick up so fast, and if you try to make the ball flare more, it just it kind of it's an, it becomes a negative effect. So these urethane balls are going to come into play more and more and more as these patterns get flatter and flatter and flatter, and they get the distances get shorter, and these rev rates keep going up. These kids are just I think the average rev rate probably when Steve and I were in college might have been around 280 to 300, and this rev rate in college right now is probably around 500 for the men. I mean it's it's and Ooh. so. Yeah. Urethane controls the pattern front to back. And I think a lot of times when we use the, the balls that have bigger covers, the reactives that, and bigger, there's a lot of front to back, a lot of left to right motion. So the urethanes don't have a lot of left to right motion or right to left motion. So they control the front to back better. And so urethane's going to be always in play. And it's one of those things is, uh, even us at Storm, we, look, we desperately – went back to try to find kind of that black U-dot, black hammer, black, you know, I, I'm naming other bowling balls from competitors, but that type of material, and then put our own core inside it. Uh, we, and it's the pitch box and one of the greatest balls, you know, we've ever made uh, for that type of environment. And we continue to try to foster that and add, you know, subtle nuances into that line because we know that your thing's not going to go away and these rev rates aren't going to go down. And sometimes it's, a, it's a bailout ball. It, it, sometimes you can just try to, if I can find the 1-3 as a right-hander or 1-2 as a lefty, and I can just kind of stay in, stay in the game, I see a lot of those happening even on the, on the professional tours where they'll just pull the urethane ball out and just try to get out of trouble. And so I don't see them going away. And I see, if anything, I see us trying to find subtle nuances in material to try to enhance that still front-to-back look and, and still try to give us a little bit of, of that lateral motion, but really try to enhance the front-to-back look. And, and even on these patterns, that get more and more demanding. All right. Well, good stuff, Hank. Thank you so much for joining us today. And, uh, you know, college bowling, just like the rest of the landscape and the bowling scene uh, coming, you know, the end of this year might be different uh, than it was just based off of the way that they organize the tournaments and the way, like you mentioned earlier on, how people may be 
uh, forced to interact and, and behave in the bowling center. You know, for the Open Championships, we're going to be looking at uh, just one team per pair instead of two uh, for Reno. So uh, we'll have you on again maybe later on the, in uh, the end of this year, and uh, we'll, t- we'll get into a little bit more of a deep dive into that. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on, Tim and Steve. I appreciate the time. And, and uh, once again, if you ever get need anything, just holler.